Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, our Dating Dilemmas panel discusses interfaith, interracial, intercultural relationships. We all have some stories to tell. Uh, You'll tell us your story. What are some of the challenges and how to overcome those challenges? We'll discuss that with our uh, our panel. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Your emails are also always welcome to laurie at drlaurie.com or some of you email me through iHeartRadio, which is also fine. Uh, This is one that I got through there. I had the mumps when I was 16 years old and I was wondering what happens to my sexual life. So I have no idea how old you are right now, but let's talk about mumps for a minute. Mumps is a contagious viral infection and it can cause some painful swelling, uh, mostly in the salivary uh, glands, but also it can affect the testicles. That's called mumps orchitis uh, when there's inflammation. So where the testicles can get inflamed, be quite painful, that goes away. after the infection and, and all that, but then may cause uh, shrinkage in uh, in the testicle. And about 50% of uh, men who uh, who get this have uh, t- shrinkage. However, it does should not and does not cause uh, erectile dysfunction. For the most part, you, uh, even sterility uh, is not so common. Like, it can happen with, with mumps, but uh, not not at a high frequency and uh, no sexual effects actually and usually returns to normal like when when the testicles um, are inflamed it can reduce the testosterone so there is a testosterone drop so in that moment yes you will experience something but it usually returns to normal like your testosterone levels return to normal baseline after uh, after several months so you don't have to uh, you don't really have to worry if however i don't whatever age you are i don't know but if you're experiencing sexual difficulties then we need to figure out uh, what exactly is going on I've been suffering with primary PE all my life. So primary PE means premature ejaculation since the beginning. Uh, I'm 31 and I've lost the two loves of my life because of it. I never really thought anything of it until I started doing some online research about it. The problem has been isolated and over the years, it has really affected my sex life and my confidence. Recently, the problem has gotten more serious. Not only do I suffer from PE, but I also have problems sustaining a strong erection and my recovery time is much longer. I even have problems getting an erection when I'm intimate with a girl. My guess is that my ED, erectile dysfunction, is purely psychological, brought on by my problems with PE. I even took some Levitra, but it didn't help. I don't know who to turn to. I need someone who can help me diagnose my problem and help me find treatment. So with all of this, um, at 31 years old, it's unlikely that there's anything... uh, physical going on. You say the problem has been isolated, isolated, meaning it it comes and goes, I'm assuming, I'm not sure. But um, when we think, when we talk about PE, 
we're talking about usually um, ejaculation under a minute of intercourse. Your average guy will ejaculate between two and five minutes of within two and five minutes of uh, of thrusting. So sometimes men assume they are premature when they're not. I'm not sure. You said you've lost the two loves of your life because of it. I'm wondering if it wasn't related to also the maybe erectile dysfunction that came with it, which is related to performance anxiety. Because of course, if you're worrying about ejaculating too quickly, number one, you will. And number two, you ha- you risk losing your erection or not getting an erection at all for fear of disappointing uh, your partner, fear of the reaction, fear of loss again, uh, and all of that. So it's definitely in your head. You said Levitra didn't help, but uh, Viagra might. So you've only tried one of them. Viagra, there have been some studies showing that Viagra can also delay ejaculation, so it would help you um, generally with both. The other thing is you may experience this at the beginning of all of your relationships because of the nerves, but if you're with somebody who is understanding, doesn't take it personally, um, where you can explain what is going on with you and they can be patient and you start to feel safe in that relationship, then the PE, the um, erectile dysfunction would go away. There are exercises you can do for premature ejaculation, which you can practice and you can practice those on your own at first and then uh, with a partner, which involves like stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But you've got to be like acutely aware of your point of no return, which means you've got to focus on the sensations in your penis rather than trying to uh, distract yourself. If after trying these exercises, it, it doesn't help, and you should be trying it for you know a couple, certainly a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Then I would say that you may be a candidate for medication. Um, there's it's not a medication to treat PE, but it is uh, what people what doctors prescribe for it is a very low dose. Um, antidepressant of an SSRI. There are studies that show that the the um, that in low doses it can help delay ejaculation. It's a discovery basically made by accident, just like Viagra was discovered by accident. When uh, men take antidepressants to treat depression, in obviously in higher doses you would need one of the side effects is that they are they have difficulty ejaculating period like or they or they can't at all uh so when what they started to look at is oh maybe we can treat um pe with this if we can induce the side effect at a low at the lowest dose possible so the dose that's used is not a dose that's high enough to treat depression but just enough to induce uh, the side effect of that. So not everybody is a candidate for that. You may not want to take a, a medication every day. And now I think there's studies about using a bit of a higher dose as needed. So you would definitely have to do a bit of research on that and see if your, or your doctor would need to do a bit of research on that and see if, uh, if the doctor could prescribe that, um, that to you. Last question by email, uh, laurie at drlaurie.com. 
My boyfriend is 24, and I think he has a masturbation problem. He masturbates at least once every day, and maybe three times a week he'll masturbate twice a day. I know it's totally healthy, but I'm concerned because he is in a relationship. Sometimes he doesn't ejaculate when we have sex, and I'm concerned that it's because of his masturbating. Truth is, I'm more concerned than he is. I feel kind of insulted. I understand it's healthy, but why is he masturbating twice a day? What is considered normal and what is considered an addiction? So an addiction is far more than the amount. It's how it affects your life, how you feel about it. Um, There are some people, there are some men, some women who have a high libido and have masturbated twice a day their whole lives and are fine with it. When it starts to interfere with the relationship is when it becomes problematic. But probably uh, he doesn't ejaculate with you on the days that he has masturbated twice that day and he just doesn't have the need to ejaculate. So it's not about you. This is not should not be taken personally. It's not an insult to you that you're not enough because on other times he does you know, he can, uh, he can orgasm with you. So it's not something you really need to, uh, to worry about. If this is what his desire is at, and there are no other factors that indicate addiction, then simply doing it twice a day does not make somebody, um, an addict. Coming up, we're going to talk about interfaith relationships, interracial relationships. We're still talking about it this uh, even today. So, uh, and there's an interesting Ipsos poll uh, that shows the number of Canadians who would never marry outside their race. This may surprise you or not. Uh, we'll address this with my dating dilemmas panel. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight our dating panel discusses interfaith relationships, interracial relationships. Did you know that 15% of Canadians would never marry outside their race, according to a recent Ipsos poll? Uh, discussing this with us. So we have our panelists tonight, Christina Mucciardi, founder of Cook and Date. By the way, next event is November 14th for the 35 to 45 uh, year range. And Susan Alper, who is a lifestyle coach and a professional matchmaker and the founder of Susan Alper Connections. Welcome, ladies. An all-ladies panel tonight. (laughs) So I'm sure you experience this. I know I've seen it just today. I was talking to a couple, and they actually came to see me because of this difficulty. But uh, an Asian woman who is living with um, a Caucasian gentleman, like super wonderful couple, nice, nice guy, but just the fact that he wasn't Asian her mother pretty much disowned her, like completely, you know, and she's heartbroken and it's it's a horrible, horribly painful situation. And sometimes it's really hard to understand, even she says, like, how can a parent just throw their child away for a choice that they made because they she didn't make the choice the mother wanted because the mother had somebody for this kid, you know, like she was like, I, I know the man you're going to marry. Like I, I'm picking right. him, you know, and, yeah. and it was like, no. Um, 
and this happened and I mean this is to me this is one that like that's an extreme situation where to me that's devastating you know to be written off by your family because you chose to marry outside your culture outside your faith so it's, I don't know you you must see this well I, I I see a really big difference in I've been in the business now 12 years I could tell you that at the beginning it was much more like the question is, you know, about religion, and they would always say, "I want to marry this or that or that." You know, now it's it's really not a it's not about religion at all. It's like whatever I want to okay, find. So the it's pattern. not a it's not a factor. You don't see it as much as a factor. Oh no, I, I I see it less and less each time. I find less and less that people are are into the the religion part. Mm -hmm. That they're much more open, and parents are more acceptable. Right. But then again, there's the odd, you know, yeah. there, there right. are the parents that. It also depends which culture depends I guess which too, culture, right? What do, you, what do you absolutely. see, Christina? Yeah, like uh, I see it like in the Asian culture too. I would see that a little bit more. I also see it in the uh, very religious, let's say the religious Jewish culture or the, mm -hmm. uh, or the uh, Greek Orthodox culture. I mean, they're, they're very set in their ways. And I find I've even so seen couples that when they're together, after a while, they have problems because, you know, six months in, you don't even know if you're going to be dating for long term. And they're, they're already speaking about, well, if we have kids, the the, the, the child's going to be brought up orthodox. And, I'll, and it's, it's mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, well, why don't you find out first if you're actually going <laughs> to. Yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about that closer to the beginning. Closer to the beginning, yes. Well, I knew a couple who actually had that conversation very early, like in the, within the first couple of weeks mm. and they talked about the importance of religion and the girl said well for me it's important to raise my kids Jewish I'm okay marrying somebody who's not but I want to raise them that and that was the end of it mm -hmm. like well no like mm -hmm. the person that well that's not what I want is like, yeah. okay then if but, it's a non-negotiable it's a non-negotiable right but okay for instance if someone comes through a matchmaker the matchmaker is not going to go and and introduce a religious person who's practicing their religion with somebody right well that's the difference with a mm -hmm. matchmaker right mm -hmm. when yeah. you're out on your own well, and looking and seeking but this is but you know that's not, okay so this is the problem that's out there right now is that because you're doing this online uh, the the online the, swipe. the swiping mm -hmm. this way you're not paying attention to the values or the or the compatibility you're looking at pictures right oh, he's good looking oh she doesn't matter if he's asian if she's you know uh, whatever whatever right. you're mm -hmm. just looking at a picture so now you meet you're not thinking about long term right now it's just all short term i'm you know I, and that's what happens six months later you're talking about religion she says well i'm jewish i you know i want to raise my kids jewish he says well you know i'm greek i want my kids raised greek well now it's a problem right mm -hmm. i've seen this also surface later in relationships where one where the when once they started having kids it was like oh well no i i want my kids to go to an armenian school mm -hmm, and yeah. the the greek partner was like uh no i don't like that i don't want an Ar a fully armenian school mm -hmm. the kid can go to armenian sunday school but not school every day and this caused such a stink in in the yeah. relationship it was really really yeah. tough so these things it is they it definitely is probably, occur yeah it is probably one of the biggest things right now when people come to see me when i you know when they talk about their past it's a lot to do with a religion. lot of divorces that's yeah. what i see too a lot like, more over In religion divorces, yeah. uh, religion or like what you just said so when they started having kids all of a sudden it's like the one one gentleman told me that his ex-wife's family started coming in and then they were all speaking you know, I don't remember what nationality they were, mm -hmm. but they were all speaking that language and, and he didn't understand it. He didn't know anything. And it's like they just took over this new kid. And it, mm -hmm. it's like it was 
it was English and that second language. And he's like, I didn't even understand that second language, but the kid was learning it and the family was all there. And it's like, I was like, the outsider almost in my own mm, home you right. know so. actually i like what this uh, text wrote you can add another uh, profile interlinguistic relationship <laughs> you just talked about that yeah. uh, i dated a great guy from a small town in the saguenay who moved to montreal i knew where he came from had no problem with his political views that differed from mine problem was his family they did not like him dating an anglophone federalist (laughs) one bit (laughs) and were not shy about this what i did not like was he let this happen without defending me i left after five months Hmm. that's a very good point wow if you are prepared Mm -hmm. to date somebody outside of your whatever culture language you have to be prepared to defend the relationship mm-hmm. and to defend your your partner. Otherwise, what's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Right. This text writes, Thank God my wife puts up most of the Christmas decorations and the Halloween decorations, and I do respect the Hanukkah candle thing. So, you know, <laughs> interfaith relationships can work. But oh, a, a lot of them work. Of course. I, I, I want to I say that, but the po- positivity on this side, a lot in, in this generation, you know, we were just talking. I was just talking with someone today about racism, and I said I find more and more people not racist, mm-hmm. very open. I mean, if you walk down the streets today, look how many people are, yeah, are of mixed. Yeah. Well, boy, there was a time when it was like illegal, you know, in some parts uh, of the states. Right? It's like, it's like, po- not that long ago. No, but there's a posit- a lot of positivity in it. Like right. I see a lot of you know in my business a lot, and they work and they. Because they come into it knowing. Right. That's a big difference. difference. Like going into it, but having a clear idea of who you are, what your values are, and what's important to you. Rather, like you can't just say, well, well, it's important for me to be um, Greek Orthodox. Well, why? What what are your beliefs about it? Like know why. Have the reasons behind it Mm -hmm. so that you can explain it to your partner and then your partner can have have the interest or you you at least have that conversation uh this text writes my ex was greek i am jewish we didn't break up because of that but if there would have been children they would have automatically been jewish being born of a jewish mother true mm-hmm. but i would have happened i would have would have happened wanted them to know both including his culture and religion otherwise yes and that would be fair that that technically mm-hmm. the children would be jewish mm-hmm. although if you married a muslim in the muslim faith the religion passes through the father. So mm-hmm. what would happen then? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know any of that might be, yeah, <laughs> that would be a whole other uh, scenario. But I'd love to hear stories from uh, anybody who's in, who has found themselves in an interfaith, intercultural, interracial, interlinguistic mm-hmm. uh, relationship. I'd love to know. Now I myself is, I've, I'm in an intercultural, but it's very, very different because although I'm Jewish, I'm of Sephardic right. descent, which mm-hmm. means I come from this is, Middle this, Eastern. Yeah, it's a good topic. You know, <laughs> like from a, a completely different part of the world, married yeah. to what's called an Ashkenazi Jew that comes from, uh, you know, the origins of Poland and, mm-hmm. and the UK and, and all that. C- very different practices, very different, um, co- like, uh, even the way we practice religion is very, very different. But we had the, but the religion was the same yes. and the values were the same. And there was an acceptance of, I adopt some of your customs, you adopt some of my customs. And that's how, you know, we made it work. But you had, it was like you have to have a, 
a conversation about that. Well, that, that's a that's a very good one because you know the Ashkenaz and the Sephardic, um, when probably going back what how twenty five years ago, it was new. So even like twenty five years ago, maybe, way maybe, back, no, no, way back. My, my first, my first, my first, um, my first girlfriend, who I was very be- like best friends with, she was Moroccan and she spoke. I didn't understand. She was Jewish and she spoke French. So I thought she was French Canadian. Right. She tried to explain to me she was Jewish. But here I am. I never heard. And now so much. And there's so sure, much. Sure, because now the, the culture, we're exposed to so mm-hmm. much more yeah, culture and we're, now. And we're coming and... together. Like it's, you go to, it's it's almost coming as one mm-hmm. now. It's mm-hmm. really different. And it's also great. many cultures have so much in common anyway. Yes. So it has a lot to do with the, the values. But I think that a lot of the challenges is not the couple, but the what Family. surrounds the couple and and correct me if I'm wrong people but if you have been in these in a relationship how does the family handle it how did you handle it with uh you know with family that might have been disapproving possibly 514-800 to text in uh, as a Protestant I had no idea that my wife being Jewish made my kids automatically Jewish it was kind of weird when I found out so again, but how were, how are you supposed to know if you have no exposure mm-hmm. to the Jewish faith, for example? But she knows. She knows, but maybe they didn't have that conversation. <laughs> oh God! You know, <laughs> I mean, oh that's God. a possibility. Talk about a lack of communication. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just love is all you need. Well, clearly yeah, yeah. not. Love, clearly yeah, love, not. You know, like we say, love doesn't pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my panel tonight: Christina Mucciardi of Cook and Date, and Susan Alper, founder of Susan Alper Connections. In studio, it's our Dating Dilemmas uh, team here talking about interfaith um, relationships. We'll talk about ways to make interfaith relationships work. And, of course, we want to hear from you as well. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Once a month on Passion, we talk about dating issues on our Dating Dilemmas uh, panel. Tonight, we're talking about interfaith, intercultural, interracial, interlinguistic uh, relationships and what are some of the challenges and how do we make it work. Joining me in studio, Susan Alper. She's a lifestyle coach and professional matchmaker. She's the founder of Susan Alper Connections. And Christina Mucciardi is the founder of cookanddate.com. Her next event, by the way, is November 14th. That's the last event before the new year for the 35 to 45 year range. So uh, if you're interested, sign up at cookanddate.com. So according to an Ipsos poll, a recent one, at least 15% of Canadians would never have a relationship with someone outside their race. They also found that participants with only a high school education, so 20%, and Ontario residents were more likely to share um, this viewpoint. But in large, diverse urban centers like Toronto or Vancouver, being in an interracial relationship, for example, is less shocking than it is in rural and suburban neighborhoods. So you do face a social... There's still that social stigma. Like, Susan, you were talking about it that, you know, we walk around downtown. We're in Montreal. Like, Montreal is a suburban, is a, is a, an urban center. Right. It's not a surprise to anybody. But if you go to a small town where even to this day, 
they've never met a Jew or no black person lives mm -hmm. there or, you know, like, so that would be something that would be much more difficult to introduce to a family who lives in a very, you know, rural, small town who's never met anybody of a different race, for example. It still happens today. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, it's still it's still out there. So, um, which I, I find uh, quite interesting, especially with television and all the other things that <laughs> right. we are exposed to. But just to, to share with you, some um, the data also found that some groups were more likely to be in mixed unions compared to others. Uh, Japanese individuals were most likely to be in an interracial relationship, followed by Latin Americans and black people. However, two of the largest visible minority groups in Canada, South Asians and Chinese, had the smallest number of couples in uh, mixed relationships. And probably because it's so difficult for parents maybe to accept it or um, they there's a worry of that estrangement that, that can happen, which I think is one of the consequences. I don't know what stories, like if you know of anybody that has experienced this or the challenges that they faced. Well, I've, I have a lot of Japanese and and Chinese that I work with, and they seem to match very well with French Canadian French Canadians, and they're mm -hmm. accepted by their families. By the families, so it's not but, a problem. No, it hasn't been a problem. Maybe they're older guys, and maybe by no, then, no, young, no? This young, young, this younger, young, yeah, yeah. Okay. I find more and more parents accepting this the ch this change for mm -hmm. their children. They want to see their kids happy. Right. You know. Well, but, yes, I, I think most of us would agree we want to see our, our kids happy, but. <laughs> you know, it's like, but yeah. please do it within the confines of our culture, you know, or, or our religion. Why can't you find somebody, you know, who's whatever? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. It's yeah. like and just it's, as easy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's more the parents, I think. Like, I know a few women now that are in their 50s, never okay. been married. Really? Yeah. And I think it's because in their 30s, when they did fall in love, it was some with someone interracial. And either their parents didn't accept that at all. And they decided to not to listen to their parents or they were just too scared to bring that person, love, that right. person into the family and it broke off because it didn't go, it didn't, it, it couldn't never go. progressed. Right. Yeah, like it, it never got to the next level because there was never that introduction. It's like, oh, I want to come to your family. No. And, and I heard these stories from these women, like the love of my life was so-and-so and like, and now that their parents either died or are begging them to meet somebody, you know, anybody. Now anybody it's like meet somebody, anybody. <laughs> I really don't care what, what relation, yeah. what race or, or religion. Yeah. It is sad, but it's so sad because so sad. many many have broken up over this to please yes to please their, the parents, the you parents know? or their even their family. It doesn't even have to sometimes be the parents; it could be their sisters, siblings. Mm. Uh, um, you know, I can understand some of the arguments that that come about from parents that that w would say things like, "It's easier when it's somebody of of your same culture. There mm -hmm. are things that are just understood. It's easier for the families to merge and to to do all this." I get it, but you know, the, to me, there's there's a big but for you to impose this on your kids when it's their happiness, not you know, this is not about you. This yeah. is about them. Uh, I find it I find it sad. I don't know how other people feel about this. Five one four eight hundred. Do you have kids of marriageable age? And how would you feel if they married somebody of a different language, of a different culture, of a different race, of a different religion? How much would it affect you? Five one four eight hundred. A texter writes in. I have a friend who 
considers himself brown, got married to an Asian woman, and her parents would not accept him and disowned her. So same story that mm-hmm. I was saying of an of an Asian woman who is dating a uh, a Caucasian male, and her parents disowned her, like completely disowned her. Okay, so here on my on my end, I've only seen good positivity mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. So am I, maybe what's happening is we're bringing home people that maybe it's not about the the religion or the race, or maybe it's about the person. No, in, no. In, in, ha, ha, in, no, no, I, no, I, no, I disagree, I, Susan, and I'll tell you why. Why? Because... They don't even get to meet and to mm-hmm. get to know the person. They, yeah. don't, they don't have the opportunity to get to know the partner. They, they're not brought home. They're not welcomed mm-hmm. in the oh, family okay. to even have dinner yeah, there, to never, even get, get to know them. Mm-hmm. So they don't even get to, they cannot make that judgment based on the limited information that they have. It doesn't work. Okay. So yeah. I would say no. It would be like a categoric... Uh, oh, so they've never had know, a chance to meet. Or no, no, no. So you're lucky. You see the I, you, you see, see the positive I, I see stuff. Lo- I've in, seen a lot of positive in my yeah. practice as yeah. a as a therapist. I see the I, I see the heartbreak. Yeah. Unfortunately, because well, they come I to see as a the therapist. right. I see yeah. the difficulties uh, that they that they felt. Uh, agreed. They never met him, and obviously did not go to the wedding. They have two beautiful children. So you see, yeah. in this with this rejection, they're losing out on their kid and their grandkids for what and i know of stories like that for what at this point you know to stand your ground because your child defied you and married outside of your culture i mean this is how i feel personally like i i i I could never i feel like i could never stand in my child's way that or that i could never reject my child for that kind of choice but you're Especially not, but for you're love, minded person. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm just saying this is yeah. this is for me, and yeah, everybody sure. can be different. But mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see, you know, to hear what other people have to have to say about that. Uh, but some of the challenges that people face is exactly that alienation, um, yeah. sometimes open hostility and intimidation, negative stereotyping. You can have family members who are mm-hmm. racist yeah. or who are, are stereotyping, uh, you know, the race or the the faith or whatever it is, and verbalizing it, saying it out loud. Uh, which is uh, offensive, um, especially if they make derogatory comments. Um, Sometimes it could be negative comments online or or in the media. Uh, Couples can feel a sense of isolation, a sense of what we call like minority stress. They feel like a minority and they're stressed by that. Um, The loss of contact from maybe their social circle or people who don't approve of them, so they lose not just their parents sometimes, like if their parents disinherit them, reject them, disown them, whatever you want to call it, ignore them, uh, but also other family members. And so they end up losing a whole network mm-hmm. um, of people. And it's, to me, very, very sad as as a challenge. But I, I, coming up, I want to talk about how to make it work. Like what are some of the things that you could do, that you can communicate about, that you need to be aware of if you're getting into an interfaith relationship so that it it maybe doesn't create um, conflict in your own relationship. Because, of course, all of this outside stress creates stress within the relationship. And who needs that stress in a relationship? You're already trying to make it work. It's hard enough to be in a long-term relationship. Add this on top of it even more difficult. 
Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Dating dilemmas tonight. We're talking about uh, interfaith uh, relationships, intercultural relationships, interracial relationships, ultimately similar challenges, whether it's visible minority or a religious difference. The challenges could be a little different depending on where you live. If you're in a, if you're in a, um, a, a suburban, not a suburban, but a rural setting, uh, and there's not many people of various diversities there, then y- you might face a very different challenge if you're with somebody with a visible minority. But if we're talking about the city center, it's, um, it's much more about family, I think, and family response to it and, and all of that. So uh, with me tonight, Christina Mucciardi, a founder of cookanddate.com, and Susan Alper, uh, who's the founder of Susan Alper Connection. She's a lifestyle coach and professional matchmaker as well. So making interfaith relationships work, what are some of the things we need to um, consider? First of all, face the issues. Like I think, Christina, you brought it up. Like talk about it in the beginning of the relationship, if you clearly are of different faiths or of different cultures, like this is something that you, you know, you've got to look at. It exists. Like there, as much as you say, well, all we need is love. No, it's not enough. Like <laughs> no. love, love is great and it gets you through the little, the, the beginning part, but it's not enough to sustain it when you have many forces around you that may be against your union. So let's face the issues because better earlier than later because they do creep up. Like I knew a couple, for example, that at the beginning of their relationship said, no, they didn't talk about religion. It doesn't matter to me. Like religion doesn't really matter. I'm Jewish. You're a Christian. I don't really practice. It's okay. Then they had kids and suddenly... It's like, oh, no, no, I want my son circumcised. Oh, no, no, I, you know, now I want a bar mitzvah. And I want, like, so now it's important to me. So it was very confusing for this couple because it didn't start out that way. So they didn't really talk it through because they didn't anticipate. First of all, she didn't anticipate how she was going to feel because that could change too. It's mm-hmm. like now she realized, oh, no, I, I want them to have this, you know. So that's, so you really need to face those issues like, um, head on. The other thing I think you have to do is, um, clarify, uh, your, like your, your cultural code. Like it's not about, it's not just about religion. It's also about your culture and what's important in your culture, because these differences are going to be there. There are different practices, right? Mm -hmm. There are different cultural practices. There are different cultural expectations, codes of conduct, and and things like that that you need to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. I think dating younger, uh, you know, when when you're 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 going through, let's say, a longer dating process, you get to see that when you when you start dating like at a different different ages you might you might actually not see that all the time because you might be maybe long distance dating or whatever so then if you do end up together that's where these things might come up suddenly and you're like uh you know I right didn't think of that like Like, well like one of my (laughs) texters said uh you know when uh when he said that uh the wife finally said well no the kids are jewish because i'm jewish and he says, oh, we didn't talk about it. I thought she didn't care about religion. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. so they went in thinking, I don't care about religion. I don't, you don't care about religion. I don't care about religion. Okay. And, and okay. Yeah, and but, then, you know. But most Jewish girls 
people say. You know, it doesn't matter because the kids are automatically Jewish in our religion. That's a conversation. But maybe, you would, you know, yeah, but how maybe, did you not have that conversation? But Sorry, because <laughs> he didn't have the conversation because his assumption was, or maybe the wife said, it doesn't matter to me. It's not mm-hmm. an issue. So if of course it's, it's not, not an issue because she knew the kids were going to be Jewish. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Why did she yeah, tell okay, him? But, like, hello. I don't know. It's called honesty. <clears throat> Let's start with honesty from let's Yeah, the, honesty right? is important. Or this person says, I can tell you right now, I'm sure people argue about whether a kid gets circumcised or not. So, you know, again, if if you marry a Muslim or a Jew, mm. like there's going to be circumcision involved somewhere, like ritual. It's a ritual, ritual right? right? So, and how much do we hold on to that? And how important is that? So even if your religion is not important, mm-hmm. Your culture might be, well, like and that's at. the difference. Exactly, like we were speaking about before. It could be a Greek and an Italian, let's say, similar culture, yes. similar everything, but are you going to baptize the child Orthodox? Are you going to baptize Christian? You right. Know, like it, it's just, and I'm, can you do both? You can't really no, do both, right? No. You've got to pick one. Pick one. So who puts the pressure where, and mm-hmm. how do you how do you pick, and do you do nothing, mm-hmm. and then what does the family yeah. say, and <laughs> what are the family's expectations? But I thought, you know. Yeah. So it got, and this is why it's so important to clarify ahead of time. Yeah, honesty. <clears throat> let's talk, go back to honesty. Let, let's talk com- about communication. Communication, yes, honesty. Yes. I mean, this is hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the text writes back. We didn't talk a lot about that before we had kids. Mm, so you see, you see, it's an issue that sometimes only creeps up when there's kids. But I'm like, the advice is if you're in an intercultural, like if your cultures Absolutely. are different, if your religions are different, please yeah. clarify. If you plan to have figure kids. Figure out, especially <laughs> if you plan to ha- have kids. Yeah. But the other thing is too, often people don't have a clear idea of their own identity. It's like they know what their religion is, but they don't know why they believe a certain thing. Like, I believe this, but why do you, like, mm-hmm. explain it, you know, or or this is important to me. Okay, why is it important to you? So clarifying your own identity also is uh, is very important to be able to have a, a clear sense of that. So, you know, and, and our cultural identity can change too over time, right? You you can have an immigrant who comes here, adapts here. Their cultural identity can change. They become maybe more Canadian as, as time goes on, sure. for example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's going to have an impact. So all these things uh, matter. <clears throat> you also have to think about negotiating right there's a lot of negotiate like that's a skill (laughs) you have to negotiate we're gonna do christmas here we're gonna do hanukkah here Mm -hmm. we're going to baptize there we're not going to do this we are going to do this like you've got to really practice these negotiation and and compromising skills yeah but it's easy to talk about it to actually do it Mm -hmm. is another thing right so anybody wants to get married we could tell the guy, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Or the guy says, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then when they get married, all of a sudden they think, well, you know what? I'm not you know going to do that. Put it in writing. Yeah. Exactly. Put it in, Put it in writing. a contract or something. Put but it I mean, in a contract. Yeah. If that if, if, if it's yeah. that important, then you put it in a contract and yeah, and you both sign off on it. it it's mm-hmm. a it's a prenuptial agreement. These kinds of things can go into a prenuptial agreement. It's not just about the money. Uh, Texter writes, such discrimination is so unbelievably immature, not to mention arrogantly selfish. You would think as responsible adults, parents would be more concerned with being positive, mature, influential role models rather 
representative of comparatively more evolved values, such as respect, acceptance, and love, Mm -hmm. rather than selfish and shallow impositional figures who ultimately contribute nothing more than devastating emotional and psychological scars to their otherwise more mature, unconditionally loving children. So, and that's the, that's the thing. Where is that unconditional, uh, love? Where's that unconditional love that you're supposed to have for your children? That comes with a condition. I will love you if you marry who I say I want you to marry. Exactly. Well, that's called, that's a selfishness. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, listen, it's very conditional. But it could yeah. be, it, it doesn't even mean about that. It could be about anything. Some parents are just unhappy and they want their kids. Oh yeah, I've seen it with education. Oh, yeah. I've seen it with a lot of things, with career choices. I mean, Career, yeah. anything. It's just right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's growing up with a lot of conditions, mm-hmm. unfortunately makes we talked about this on the air, makes people people pleasers, you know, yeah. where you become, well, yeah. you you grow up and you become, you want to work so hard at being accepted and being validated and being being loved because you didn't get that kind of unconditional love where the love came with so many conditions that you feel you always have to work hard to earn that mm-hmm. love and mm-hmm. to, you know, to always do for others in order to get that love. I have, you know, I had, I have a client that came out of the, you know, came out, he was gay and he told his mother, and mother said, I could accept it as long as you marry a Jewish doctor. Like talk about pressure. <laughs> I think I, I, I actually found it. friends <laughs> like that who are, who are different. So he went home and he said, I have some good news and bad news. Mom, uh, dad, I'm gay, but I'm marrying a doctor. Oh, I said it my way. <laughs> so, it was like a, yeah. so it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, it would be nice if people could laugh about it a bit more I maybe and, and, and not be so, I don't know, serious and, and cause devastation in because of love yeah. you know that's really what ultimately it is it's well maybe really your passion show will change a lot tonight well we've got a lot of listeners out well, there share well, this with everybody please yes exactly <laughs> guys thank you so much for being here with me uh susan alper people can find you at susan alper connections dot dot com oh. <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> social media no yeah, I, I do more through um, LinkedIn and yeah. your website. All right, yeah. so SusanAlpertConnections.com. If you want to sign up for Cook and Date, some great events, always Christina Mucciardi puts on amazing events, uh, go to CookAndDate.com. The next one, uh, Christina? Uh, no- November 14th. And that's for the... 35, thir- 45. 35 to 45 year range. Where are you doing it? At, uh, where am I doing it? At uh, my venue, in TMR. In TMR? Yeah. So, chef, what kind of food? It's Mexican. Oh, this time mm. it's Mexican. Yes. All right. No Halloween special. No, no dress up. You know, <laughs> we want to see what we're getting. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chris, our technical producer. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. You can go to my website, drlori.com, where you can find me at as well send me emails and pick up our podcasts of uh, all past shows where they're all listed there you can find them there and listen to them at your leisure coming up next here on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion Just dance.